In the days of my early youth, so long ago that I forgot the date, our world was shaken with the dread of the new and terrible plague, which was desolating all lands as it passed through them. And so regular was its march that men could tell where next it would appear, and almost a day when it might be expected. It was the cholera, which for the first time appeared in Western Europe. And its utter strangeness and man's want of experience or knowledge of its nature, or how best to resist its attack, added, if anything, could to its horrors. It was said to have come from the east. Abbey Hutch says in his China that it rose out of the Yellow Sea, going inland like a cloud dividing into two which spread north and south. In those days I dwelt with my parents and brothers in a provincial town in the west of Ireland, called Sligo. It was long before the time of railroads and I think of steamboats. At least one had never been there at the time, so news travelled slowly. But still the rumour of the Great Plague broke on us from time to time, as men talk of far-off things which can never come near themselves. But gradually the terror grew on us, as time by time we heard of it nearer and nearer. It was in France, it was in Germany, it was in England. And with wild affright we began to hear a whisper pass. It was in Ireland. Then men's senses began filling them for fear, and deeds were done in selfish dread, enough to call down God's direct vengeance on us. Crazy. Oh, hello there, and welcome back. To the Pishrokes podcast. Hello, Luke. Hello there. How are you, man? I'm doing good from two meters away from you, of course. We're actually three meters away. I'm measuring it right now with my huge wingspan. <laughs> Damn! Get those fingers out of my face. Um, that no. was a very somber note we started on there. Very somber note. But as we're going to, I'm going to go straight into it. We're going. This episode is called the epidemic, as you've probably seen already. Um, Scary. And we're talking about past epidemics in Ireland. And present. From present. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it weird? Who thought we would have been experiencing this? Man, the topic would be interesting even if we weren't in the midst of COVID-19. No, that's very true. But it's mad now. I think seeing similarities, even if as a civilised... It was a civilised place back then, but as a particularly advanced Mm. population... We like to think so. Yeah. They'll be looking back at us and laughing just as much. But that's what we're going to... That's actually what I want. I've been drinking my bleach every morning. I still don't have COVID. (laughs) But, uh, no. Uh, We're going to keep the laughs. We're going to keep it funny. Absolutely. If you don't laugh, you'll cry, as they say. And to be honest, I don't think anyone wants to listen to a podcast of myself and Luke crying. No. You can go to our... I'm close to tears now, but goodbye, Lord, I ain't letting them out. After hours, piss rogues. Piss rogues extra is where we cry. (laughs) Luke, what is this podcast? This is a podcast where we discuss Irish superstition, lore, history. We have a few laughs along the way. All bits, all these things from throughout old Irish history. Mostly stuff that's not covered in history books, I think, we're finding. Yeah, we take a lot of stuff from testimony from yeah, back in the day. We enjoy from that. mouth. And then we do a little bit of research. We try and fill it all into our brains. And then we spew it out as two uneducated boys to you at home. We're trying to cast our little young boy eyes into this old Ireland and look at it with what we know in our modern day and kind of 
mm. see how their life was, appreciate the way they lived their more simplistic life. Mm. And how, to be honest, man, sometimes I wish I could live a more simplistic life. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Especially in these days of plague, pestilence. What are we talking about today, man? We're going to be talking generally about little epidemics that have plagued Ireland in the past. Mm. I think in the midst of a, a pandemic when it can feel like you're just waiting and it can feel like we're never going to get out of this mm. and this is the new reality. Yeah. To look back and see, wow, people were doing crazy stuff. Much worse. Yeah. And man, what I feel like when I was when we were reading into this whole cholera epidemics and things like that, it seemed like it was painting a picture of Ireland where the sun never shone. It was always grey outside. The mood was just general gloom all the time. It didn't seem like anyone was having fun for a long time. No. This sounded it, like, you it, know... It can feel like that sometimes now, but legitimately you can still have fun now. You yeah. can still laugh. It's funny, this is... Yeah, exactly. This is how sometimes our souls might feel during COVID. Yeah. But when you see that it was reality <laughs> for them and outside it, their and, windows. And it was their only reality. There was no escapism through the interwebs, through turning on the TV, through many books for these uneducated poor people. It affected every single bit of their lives. So if anything, it can give us perspective to kind of appreciate what we have in this harsh time. So essentially we'll be covering cholera is one we found the most interesting yeah, content on. Cool. Just and comparatively to um to our COVID, we're going to have a little chat about it's COVID's birthday, I think, two weeks ago. Oh, was it, ago. man? Yeah, so, you know, we... Uh, I ain't wishing that mother... Exactly. <laughs> we ain't, I ain't posting his Facebook wall. Um, Wait, are you friends on Facebook with COVID-19? <laughs> Humble brag. But... Uh, he didn't accept my... <laughs> good. You don't have it. Uh, no, um, and we're just going to, you know, a bit of COVID therapy, a bit of year in COVID review. Yeah. There'll be a little bit on the bubonic plague as well, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, we'll throw a little bit of that in. <laughs> bit of bubonic plague sprinkled in. So that little excerpt there, Aaron, was from Experiences of the Cholera in Ireland, 1832, by Charlotte Stoker, who was Bram Stoker's, Bramuel's, um... <laughs> Bramungus. <laughs> Bramungus's, um, mother. Uh, that's, that's my favourite book, Bramungus's mo- mother. <laughs> Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> No, but um, yeah, so there's a lot of people think the horrors that Charlotte Stoker saw when she was nine in Sligo. Uh, influenced. Influenced. Dracula. Dracula. Even before cholera, her experiences in Sligo. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. I would believe it. So cholera swept over from, it seemed to have originated in the Ganges in India in like the 1600s. But then it was during like, when they were using these big trade routes into Europe and Russia in the early 1800s that it started spreading over towards our beautiful country here of Ireland. Just to give you a quick kind of rundown of what cholera is, its signature symptoms are violent vomiting and diarrhea resembling rice husks. They were usually accompanied by agonising cramps, muscular spasms, a weakened pulse, low temperature and a blue tinge to the nails and skin. True college, man, because I work as a medical lad. Blue tinge to the nails is called cyanosis and it's essentially where... Has reduced oxygenated blood getting to where it needs to get to, so you start turning blue. Isn't that weird? Oh. Uh, so it was caused by a little bacterial, um, a bacterial bacteria is what I was going to say, a little <laughs> microorganism called Vibrio cholerae, and it's due to the ingestion of water uh, that is infected by this bacteria, and it can be from 
droplets from let's say a mouth or a, the ass of someone Whoa. who has the old cholera or an infected <laughs> water supply which is actually the way it was spread the most is through infested rivers or wells that had just been infested mm. by this decaying matter and stuff in the rivers is that mm. the idea that had the cholera it's yeah. funny that whenever we get a disease not to say that we deserve either of these it's always that we've been putting things in places that shouldn't have been going to places yeah <laughs> usually it's because of our actual filth that we are not educated enough to clean up and get rid of that causes this horrific plague that killed mm. 50,000 people in Ireland so well more than this COVID I'll tell you I'll tell you I'll tell funny you. if the diarrhea looks like rice husks um, rice hadn't even gotten to Ireland yet, no so, they wouldn't even know, know what it was the first time you saw a rice husk was through your ass and it looked like ectoplasm ectoplasm (laughs) so this epidemic of cholera that was spreading towards Ireland and as you can see in Charlotte's account they had fear of whispers of it spreading to Germany then France and England and then they were like oh Oh. god now it's in Ireland and they knew that no matter who you were rich or poor it would strike down the healthiest of people and that's what kind of terrified people about it and they didn't understand how it was spreading um, so this gave rise to a thing called the Day of Straws, which was in Saturday the ninth, eighteen thirty-two. A little bit of superstition for and you it guys. Ended almost a week later. So essentially, what had happened was they had said that the Virgin Mary had appeared in the charitable church and left behind these ashes that said these ashes would protect against cholera. So these monks or these um priests or missionaries brought these ashes somewhere and said they split them into four and gave them to four people and told these four people to run in four separate directions and the first people they meet split it and give it to them and to give those people the same instructions Mm. so essentially it had these cascading effect of hundreds of people running with these burning straws just constantly giving them to people as they believed this was their only cure, their only protection against this cholera that was going to brutally kill you. What I found crazy about a man reading is it's funny that a nice notion, but imagine if the first person had cholera and the first guy that was running. And that's how it spread. <laughs> yeah, like the perfect way to spread it. Like, um, so it was distributed on the Friday and it had reached almost all four corners of the country by the following Friday, which is absolutely crazy. And it gave rise to some people believing that this was a, what was it you called? A ploy by Daniel O'Connell, the Daniel O'Connell, to see how fast news could spread. This idea that, how fast can you tell people Mm. and then through word of mouth will they pass on this idea that, oh, if we spread these straw around, we can save ourselves. And supposedly because of the word of mouth aspect of it, Sometimes the straw had turned into turf and people were using stones yeah. instead and people were taking straw off thatched houses, their own thatched house and spreading it out and that was their way of getting rid of the Vendors cholera. selling straw. <laughs> and unfortunately it didn't work. <laughs> a t-shirt, I was there for cholera 1938. And there's a very scathing report from a Protestant teacher um, called Humphrey O'Sullivan. Oh, yeah, he didn't. He wasn't too kindly to this whole. No, thing he was a teacher in Livian Callan, County Kilkenny, and he made this entry into his diary. The lower classes of the Irish are a credulous people. Some practical joker sent out a fool with a small piece of charred stick or some other bit of kindling, which had been extinguished in Easter water or holy water, and told him to divide it into four parts and give it to four persons and four houses 
telling them that the cholera would kill them unless each one of them did the same. By this means, 16 persons and 64 and 256 and 1,024 and 4,096, etc., etc., got this fire until the entire country was a laughingstock for Protestants. <laughs> I think he was just trying to show off that he knew math. Exactly, he was. Oh, you know 4,000? Uh, <laughs> we're more than a laughingstock for Protestants, okay? We're so, a laughingstock for everyone. everyone. So I think they were trying to say that, God, these God-fearing Irish people will believe anything, these Catholics, and they will do anything it takes. Which and it that didn't. was Ireland's first meme, everyone, just to let you all know. <laughs> the, the, burnt, the Day of Straws, our first meme. I found that quote, there's some, a good few quotes from that uh, Experiences book by mm. Charlotte Stoker, but I, I found that one, its utter strangeness and man's want of experience or knowledge of its nature or how best to resist its attack added, if anything could, to its horrors. Uh, you know, very, um, we can empathise today. Yeah, like both having the knowledge and not having the knowledge makes it more scary. Exactly. Um, we... We know that, let's say, for instance, COVID is a virus and that it's bad and that these, but it's it doesn't stop it from, no, the knowing doesn't stop its harm at all. No, it's, and then there's the fear of, oh, I've heard some people get COVID and they're fine, and I've heard other people who were fine got COVID and they're under it. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what yeah. is this thing? No, exactly. It's like a coin flip getting it. <laughs> and even they brought up, um, it was indiscriminate. The yeah. fact wealth doesn't come into the equation. No. Um, uh, your there, it was that. saying that health and wealth that these people were afforded had like um, given them almost immunity to previous famines and such and plagues yeah. that had befallen the country but this one this cholera because it was so easily spread through water supply that ain't nothing stopping it no money's gonna mm. hold that back so it came to Sligo Charlottetown in 1832 and she has some very very scary kind of accounts of things so she has this I, this one entry where she says she was visiting friends, the Holmes family, who consisted of three adults and eight children. We left them all well at half past nine, and the next morning at nine o'clock, we heard that six of the family were dead and had already been buried. So within 12 hours, this family had essentially been decimated by this cholera. And she said in a very few days, the town became like a city of the dead. So this cholera just swept through the town and it absolutely wrecked the place there was no one out this town of Sligo went into lockdown people weren't allowed to mingle there were no wakes there was nothing like this no carts except for the doctor's carriages yeah which is Crazy. scary to see the only like the only thing on the road being ambulances now can you imagine that and they're like it's very scary to think that they essentially stopped all their commerce and all their working out in the fields and things because people were afraid to be outside people were afraid to interact with other people so these are people who were living off subsistence farming so if the car farming couldn't get done then there was no food yeah. so not only was there a terrifying disease out there also it's knock-on effects of not having enough food because you couldn't go out and get food because of the virus being out there it was like a catch-22 essentially and obviously this it's nice in a way to look back and see this is almost like cholera is almost like extreme covid Mm. In that, you know, the same happens now, but at least, thankfully, it's just not as bad. But that, no. you know, people can't afford, we're being asked to social distance, but some people can't afford, let's say, not to go to work. And no. Work can imply 
me being face to face with another individual, even with all the PPE. Oh, um, and can I tell you another thing? As a boy who gets the dart to work in the morning, mm-hmm. I got the dart at about just after eight o'clock today, man, and it was jammed. Jammed. It was jammed. There was people within half a meter of me everywhere I looked. Masks. But that's just the way it is. Yeah, most of them were wearing masks, and most of them were kids, so I was taller than them. <laughs> <laughs> you can stay above the door. <laughs> So before Charlotte married into the Stoker name, they were Thornleys. So there was a lockdown in Sligo Town and luckily, luckily enough, they were Protestants who lived in a nice big house up on a hill. So they were found it easier enough to distance themselves from the local community. They had cows and chickens, so they were able to survive on those bits of food. But the town was meant to be full of screams throughout the day of... People who lost friends and family and... Imagine knowing that uh, there's people out there hurting or whatever beside you. You literally you can't... Can't even go out there. Can't go. I know that when during covid times, there was a man next door to me who needed a lawn mowed and stuff. And that's one of my... I mowed his lawn from because he's like 80-something and lived yeah. in his own. But at the time afterwards, luckily he didn't get COVID. I didn't have it. But I was <laughs> like, jeez, I shouldn't have done that. Like, uh, uh, It's so but hard. But if you knew you didn't have it, it it's is... hard to know these decisions that have to be made. Yeah. But uh, Charlotte had a similar, here, yeah. a way worse thing now. Uh, Charlotte tells of a child in the next house who her parents, uh, who her parents having died, was left alone sick, and we could hear her crying. I begged my mother's leave to help her. She let me go with many tears. Poor Mary died in my arms an hour after, and I returned home, and being well fumigated, was taken in and es- and escaped without catching the disease. Isn't it crazy that? Charlotte wanted to comfort this child but her mother knew there was a chance if she let Charlotte out there that Charlotte might come back and kill the entire family wipe out the entire household Uh, but Charlotte still went out there and did it fair play to her it's very kind of her and even though there was no way of her helping at least the little girl had someone with her yeah I think that eases the ending which is scary to think what did they mean by fumigated I'd say they probably just had a fire kind of bellows thing and just you know Smoked him down. Smoked her out of it. Yeah. yeah. So, speaking of smoking people out of it, there was, due to older medicine, older isn't a word, but there was this theory called the miasma theory where they thought that bad air, foul-smelling air, night air, mm. as they sometimes called it, was the source of diseases like this. Pseudo-sciences. It was, yeah, it was a science up to a time, and to a degree, it was correct. Correct. It had, like, fall-down effects that actually did work. Hmm. But... It's funny, as an aside, I remember her learning in college. Because they weren't far off. Um, Two degree, no. Char- I remember Charles Dickens, who isn't even a scientist by any means. He had, in Bleak House, uh, is a book. They talk about dirty air a lot. The dirty air in London. Mm. As smog used to be characteristic of when yeah. you went to London. And they used to think it was fog. But now, in hindsight, it was probably closer to what you have in a, a China now or a Japan now of just, like heavy smog yeah because uh, it's not ever as bad now I don't think in London but no, he kept talking not. about dirty air he actually went to parliament and said look I don't think throwing poo poo on the streets no. is, is good he said I can't prove it uh, but the he reason, was right like, so essentially people started getting sick and they didn't really know why it was happening but 
because of the industrial revolution more and more people were living in clusters in cities and then more and more things were being burnt more and more people were living in closer proximity with zero kind of sanitation there was no sewage, sewage systems or anything like that so there was just this horrible noxious smell about and with that came diseases due to the unsanitary conditions and the smog would cause breeding like horrible breeding conditions as well so the desperation people had to try and get rid of this disease yeah. just led them to their theory was that diseases such as the black death cholera chlamydia were this sort of they were a product of environmental factors such as contaminated water foul air and poor hygienic conditions but that such infection was not passed between individuals but would affect individuals within the locale that gave rise to such vapors so this is the thing I thought was cool. So up until germ theory was introduced in the late 1800s, up until that point, people believed that this miasma, which in ancient Greek meant pollution, Dang. they thought that the miasmas behaved like smoke or mist blown with air currents wafted by winds. It did not simply simply travel on air. It changed the air through which it propagated. The atmosphere was infected by miasma, as diseased people were. Many believed miasma was magical and was able to change the properties of the air and atmosphere completely. So they almost gave it a mystical element, the transference of these diseases. They didn't fully understand that it was just a bacteria that could be got through contact or through the air, if there's particles of it in the air or in water or things like that, until germ theory came about, which is these diseases are germs and bacteria that are spread through contact, through droplets in the air, through things like that. Damn. So to a certain degree, they had it correct. Like dirt yeah. and horrible things like the horrible conditions does cause the spread of disease. They hit the dartboard. They just yeah. they didn't know. <laughs> they, yeah, so they, it led to people wanting to clean areas so the air was cleaner. Florence Nightingale was one of these proponents of this theory and she thought that, okay, if we have nice fresh smelling air in the hospitals if we clean these hospitals down so there is no smell then the spread of disease will stop completely so to mm. a degree it worked that cleaning the place worked but the smell wasn't really there was a the fundamental reason. understanding yeah. that they just lacked yeah but exactly. it is cool how no more than anything we've talked about on the series so far of this ability in the past of people to just probably is an ability we're lacking now of like problem and just seeing the immediate yeah and blaming that yeah things in the area and going maybe it's this and they weren't far off but it's just it's not it's not the head of the hydra no uh, at all Charlotte uh, Charlotte actually described that uh, people I don't know if it was just in Ireland taught that taking whiskey with ginger uh, as a pro, uh, prophylactic what's that prophylactic prophylactic yeah Uh, they thought that that would people thought it would prevent cholera I think we figured out now that it probably that would have been worse for cholera. And there was talks of they would fill barrels with straw and tar and burn them outside the villages and in the streets to create huge amounts of smoke. And they thought this smoke would kill this miasma, this dirty air, this night air, this horrible smog in which they thought the disease travelled in. So imagine there's people dying everywhere, no one's allowed outside, and you look outside and it's just fog and smoke everywhere oh. due to burning tar and straw imagine that scene man it must have been it seems apocalyptic man when I think back on it that seems apocalyptic if we can look me. at little details she even said she said that Sligo's board of health had trenches dug across the road to halt the disease 
yeah. as if it's like lava. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll pour <laughs> and then, whoa! It, it's, it's crazy. Uh, there was a great, at night, many tar barrels and other combustible matters used to be burned along the street to try and purify the air and had a weird, unearthly look gleaming out in the darkness. I can imagine, man. Can you imagine just seeing this glow of, and smell of smoke? There's no other lights around the place. People are dying and screaming. It yeah. seems apocalyptic to me. Very man. different to our uh, clapping at night and yeah. leaving a light out on the window. Yeah. <laughs> if there's any positive to this miasmatic theory, it did lead to sanitary engineering reforms in London where they actually set up like individual connections to the sewerage system in people's houses. So even though the theory was incorrect, it led to positive changes in sanitary conditions, which I think is good. Another quote I liked from that excerpt of uh, Experiences by Charlotte was Then men's senses began failing them for fear and deeds were done in selfish dread enough to call down God's direct vengeance on us. So it turned out that some horrific things were done during these times of cholera in the country. People got desperate, man. People, people got really desperate. People got really desperate and people didn't have enough knowledge as to how it was spreading, so people did horrible things. Uh, what was it some of it Charlotte wrote about? She heard of a poor traveller who was taken ill on the roadside. And how did those Samaritans tend him? They dug a pit and with long poles pushed him living into it and covered him up alive. Horrific. Crazy. There is another story of... This one is the worst one to me. Um, A tall soldier seemingly deceased from cholera was having his legs broken to fit him into a coffin. Only for him to awake. That is absolutely And they lived for years, didn't they? He lived for years. He lived for years after. So a thing that was happening is carpenters couldn't keep up with the amount of dead bodies. They couldn't make enough coffins. So they turned to mass burial. And supposedly in these mass burials, they were burying both the dead and the living. Just uh, they prescribed you with death a few weeks early. You're like, don't worry, we we know what's going to happen. You're going to get there eventually. We're just speeding up the process. Yeah, here, I'll give you... Here's my prescription. A week in the hole. Uh, no, um, to you even I, I didn't even realize that lots of loss of doctors and nursing staff. They just say loss uh, in Sligo. I assume that's either people leaving, leaving or scared dying. Yeah. or dying. It, to be honest, fair play to all doctors and, and nurses and everyone during these things. A part of me, especially during cholera, would have been like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I can do this. Um, but they said somehow the replacements for the doctors and nurses were all half drunk, according to Charlotte. Yeah, I wonder what she meant me. by that. Women of the worst description who are always more than half drunk. See, she they said how people were tre- treated. That's probably how they buried a lot of live victims, stupefied with opium. But a lot of people smoked opium as if it was like a cigarette back in the day in that it was legal. Opium houses were big in London. Like, that um, sounds... There was writers who regularly smoked opium and now realising, oh, it was melting their brain. Yeah, so Um, a lot of these people, one of them here, Charlotte, recounted that one man took what he thought was the corpse of his wife out of the hospital to a mass grave to give her a proper burial. No, he took her out of the hospital mass grave to take her and give her a a better burial only to find that she was alive. She was another woman who went on to live many years after being found so there was horrific things happening throughout the country of Ireland. People were 
being treated horribly and were treated as if they were plague victims, which they were, I guess, in a exactly. way. People did not want to be near them. People wanted them absolutely away. And there was, when people wanted to open up hospitals, they were met with, I think I read, people with clubs and sticks chasing away doctors and nurses. And if if they were also blaming horses, or horses, doctors and nurses for bringing the cholera and spreading the cholera around, which is crazy, horrible. Just to emphasise their kind of lack of knowledge on it, there was a notice for preventatives. Preventives of cholera. Be temperate in eating and drinking. Avoid raw vegetables and unripe fruit. Abstain from cold water when heated and above all from ardent spirits. And if habit have rendered them undispensable, take much less than usual. So I think by that ardent spirits thing, they meant alcohol and... I like the idea if habit have rendered them indispensable take them much less so if you're if you're an alcoholic and you just can't stop drinking this thing that we think gives you cholera just have a little bit less just a little bit just have less than you normally do so a hospital is not the place you want to be no you're treated terribly and they're trying to bury you alive I mean, in nineteen in nineteen thirty two, eighteen thirty two, that is not here yeah uh, no but uh, it is crazy to read at the time when not that nursing wasn't a thing yet, but modern nursing, the nursing as we... Nursing was invented in France, wasn't it? Something it like was, that. it kind of like came to, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I know that originally it was nuns that were our Yeah, our, they our were nurses. carers and caregivers and that turned into the practice of nursing. But uh, I know the real heroes of uh, cholera during the times were a group of women called the walking nuns who entered the hospital to take care of those who were sick and dying. Entered hospitals in which no one would enter or go near. No one. And a lot of medical professionals wouldn't go would in. Would stay far away. Yeah. Um, the women took a huge risk to undertake this task. They worked four-hour shifts, four people at a time. They washed, cleaned, fed, and offered emotional and spiritual support to those who were sick or dying. When they left the hospital, they washed both themselves and their clones, clothes in lime and water. Their clones? <laughs> so they could send them in and oh, ask yeah. her to massage feet and stuff. No, um... <laughs> <laughs> switch the channel and guess. <laughs> no, uh, no, yeah, they washed them down, which is great to hear. That sounds smarter than smoke, lime, and water. Yeah, um, they had a bit more cap on it. Uh, when and then after that, only one of these ladies contracted the disease from which she recovered. I and love that. Died. That people were very skeptical about these walking nuns and were like, "You're going to kill us and kill everyone." And these mm. were the people who went in, helped all these sick people. And came out only one of them. Like that movie Armageddon. Yeah, it's just like that. It's exactly like Armageddon. (laughs) The walking nuns were some of the original sisters who followed the vision of Mary Aikenhead. Oh, here we go. Uh, And who are now known as the first sisters of charity. So I'm pretty sure that just means uh, Mary Aikenhead, if I'm correct, uh, she just sort of started up she was, modern yeah she was she was of the idea that look how much good these walking nuns did and let's kind of solidify this practice of nuns as nurses caregivers in Ireland so it says here that she sent three sisters to Paris to Osbis de la Pitié to be trained in nursing and hospital management and by the time they returned Aikenhead had secured £3,000 which as we all know by inflation £600 million Jesus. <laughs> she opened St. Vincent's Hospital originally on St. Stephen's Green didn't know that I, it's, I work in St. Vincent's Hospital full disclosure and there's a whole corridor with the history of it ah. Lord knows I look at them and I don't know 
You didn't know that? I knew that I knew that part, but I don't know the whole history, how it was mm. connected to cholera. A lot of people don't know UCD used to be in town. Some most people yeah, do, but what you don't around St. Stephen's Green. UCD's doctors used to train in what is now the Urban Outfitters building. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? It's a nice building. <laughs> it, it makes sense. It is a nice uh, building when you go in. Industrial. So Ironically, nursing was seen as a profession for the poor and unskilled. It was treated with little respect, which contributed to the spread of disease and accompanying hardship among the people. So people were blaming nurses for what was going on. So Aiken Head, by sending her sisters to train in Paris, addressed this issue of the professionalism and dignity of nursing. So she essentially started the whole practice of nursing and such in Ireland, fair play to her. Isn't it mad? It can't be. It's the same as... It's mind-boggling, but it makes sense that, like... People who treated lepers, for instance, or people who treated those most affected, rather than being lauded as heroes, they're sort of, I don't know, seen as filthy or filthy. like people get scared of them. Mm. It's very, very similar to Princess Diane and the HIV AIDS thing, man. Where yeah. She was like, fuck it, I'll shake these people's hands. Come on. Yeah, Stop overreacting exactly. here. But Why don't uh, we help the man who's down out? Huh? It is mad to think when I started reading about the walking nuns, I thought it was going to be about, oh, these must have been like, the Avengers of their day but they weren't seen you know what no, I mean as, they, they weren't seen as anything but and I think it's just a good without getting too crazy political or anything it is good to look in hindsight that I bet well now I wish we had supported and praised those nuns more at the time I think all the nun, uh, not nuns all the nurses uh, midwives doctors anyone in the medical you're in the medical industry mm. Aaron industry industry the medical what would you call it services yeah, we're, we provide a service, service providers. Yeah, um, just a big big respect to all of you out there. I think what also is ironic, man, is that throughout history, these nurses have been treated with disdain and not compensated for their hard work that they do. That <laughs> It ain't a new thing, and it's a crying shame in 2020, mm. our Lord's year of our 2020, and we can't even pay these damn nurses. No. What's going on, huh? If you think about it, it's very odd... Some people said it's very tinfoil hatty, but you know the way talk calling medical professionals frontline workers as if they're almost frontline, like they're in war. Yeah. It's almost like preparing you, lubing you for the idea that this is a service you kind of have to do and you mightn't get paid for it or you mightn't get it's there. It's almost sacrificial or yeah, voluntary, exactly. you know. Which kind of preparing for you to die. I know that, don't worry, not many <laughs> do. But, uh, you know, as it's very peculiar. It's... Sad. A big bula bus is all. I know oh. a bula bus isn't money <laughs> that keeps the lights on. Hope your boys though. Keep all, going. And to finish as well, student a student working a job that a doctor or registered doctor or nurse normally does is the same workload. If they're as, doing the same work, why aren't they getting the same or even a bit of money? Just a bit. Pittance. <laughs> So to finish the Charlotte Stoker or Charlotte Thornley, their family lasted two weeks in this horrific febrile environment, they call it. The crooks came when Charlotte's mother went into their yard to find their hens dead and took it as an anonymous sign. The family evacuated to nearby Ballyshannon where they had relatives. The journey was fraught with difficulty, but they survived and came back to Gal- to Sligo. Whoa, that was close. When the pandemic <laughs> abated, to find the streets grass grown and much of the population dead. Jeez. That's crazy. Charlotte did, you, did they only last two weeks in Sligo? Two weeks. And A nightmare. They two got weeks, the hell out of there. And um, she went on to move into Dublin. She married a Stoker man. And then on came little Bramble Stoker. <laughs> Bram boy. Stoke boy. 
No, that's crazy. Yeah, I actually studied Dracula in college. Oh, a, I've never read it. As an ingy, it's very interesting, man. I would like to um, at some point. A lot of people think that uh, her stories that she obviously probably told to her son Bramble. Uh, we have to stop calling him that. <laughs> Bramble, I love it though. <laughs> uh, led to him <laughs> being inspired to write Dracula. I would not be surprised. I man. believe it because there's little crazy coincidences. Tidbits. So the first victim of the cholera epidemic in Sligo died on August 11th. Uh, 11th. Uh, and this event was preceded by an unusual storm with thunder and lightning, accompanied by a close, hot atmosphere. Uh, this is Merid and Dracula, whose arrival from the east is pre- uh, preceded by a great and sudden storm, and he claims his first victim on English soil on August 11th. Peculiar. And obviously, it's going to be set in England as well, because it's the same as when we make movies. They're, they're always in, in America or in America. Yeah, because like, you want to make the money. You're not going to have it in Sligo. Plus, you want Dracula to kill the English. But... Exactly, <laughs> but uh, and England as the epitome at the time of advancement in, in yeah, society, yeah. we have to remember that. With uh, their cups of tea and their saucers. Like Wakanda for <laughs> Victorian people. <laughs> but um, no, um, no, there's other crazy connections with uh, Dracula. There's a concept of the undead, vampires who are living while dead. People Wicked. being buried alive, the idea of in the coffin, he's just there alive. But She even, remember when she, Miss Thornbury... Uh, I keep mixing Thornley. Thornley. The wild Thornberries. <laughs> she, um, what did she say? A City of the Dead. Yeah. Crazy. There um, you go. Uh, I can't me. find that. Do you not have that crazy, just to finish this out? The, Which one? The scene that very may well from Sligo have inspired Dracula. The, oh. I'll get it now. Here we go. Bear with me, boys. Use the word bleeding. Yeah. Yes, Among I the will. terrible sights witnessed in the town, people were dying while bleeding from the mouth. Some people being buried before they were dead and apparently rising from the dead. All elements of Charlotte's son's famous novel, Dracula by Bramley Stoker. Brambula Stoker. (laughs) Brambungula Stoker. So... After a quick Google search, myself and Luke were saying Bramblicious Stoker because we didn't know what Bram would have been short yeah. for. It's Abraham. I never would have guessed that, man. Is it Bram in the middle of Abraham? No, it's Braham, so they've gotten rid of the ha at the end as well. People Abraham. back in the day were a lot more. Apparently it was um, sexy and, and fun at one point to have, like, you know, when Dick for Richard and things like that. People oh, yeah. liked having and names. And Lou for Aloysius. That didn't... <laughs> that didn't... Um, they liked having nicknames that didn't re- seem to make like sense. Like Jack for John. But, yeah. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. Dickard. Like Dickard. <laughs> Dickard Stock. <laughs> Bramley Bumbleton the second. <laughs> Get so, off my land. So, myself and Luke are... We can't experience sadness anymore. <laughs> We no. just can't do it. We're I know. Done. I think we had laughs in this one, but I am aware this is a very cholera sounded like a nightmare. The <laughs> damn nightmare. nightmare that you couldn't escape from and everyone was a damn dying. And that's the end of the... No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, what we wanted to say was the reason we brought it up in a roundabout way is like, I hate, you know, when my mother used to say, look, there's children dying in Africa. You better be happy with your presence. Yeah. Uh, this version, I'm just, we're trying to say, look, COVID is bad, but cholera was a lot worse. Yeah. So, First of all, let's keep that in mind, guys. People aren't dying on worse. the streets. The worst thing is you can't go out and have a few pints. Man, we got over it somehow. As in cholera. 
Yeah. With, is, with our little feeble Catholic minds. We they got survived. Uh, 50,000 so people died. 40% of the people who got it died. <laughs> but we survived. Okay. <laughs> but uh, no. Uh, it is good. It's good to know. It's good to know. And from there though, that was your history class. We're just going to yeah. have a free class now. Now our teacher's gone. He said he's going to go to the toilet, but he's actually going to really sore someone. So Aaron, sit back. Relax. <sighs> class is done. We've done teaching them. Now we just have to have a chat about COVID year in review. Because I'm interested in Aaron. I think this will become, our humble shitey podcast will become uh, a time capsule. Oh, it absolutely what, will. Of what life was like during little COVID. This um, podcast is almost a result of the COVID restrictions. Definitely. Just that I had all these ideas ruminating that this was brought forth. Yeah, cooped up definitely wouldn't have happened, I don't think. I don't know if it would have. It's interesting to think about, isn't it? There's been positive and negatives, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. What are are positives for you, to weirdly focus on them first? A positive I found, man, is being able to kind of have live a life that's been stripped of all these extras, all these commodities, all these things Mm -hmm. that we've been so used to, and kind of taking a step back and realizing which ones actually matter. Yeah. Which ones are actually important to me? What are the things I actually enjoyed? Yeah. That that's something I found out about um I remember listening to a guy saying when all these shops are closed during our first lockdown, it was like, take a look and say which of these did we actually need? Like which of them actually made us oh, happy. Yeah. And it is funny that those were some of the first places to open up with. Well, I don't think I can ever go clothes shopping again. I have no want to I used to love clothes shopping and now Nah. I've survived what how many months almost a year now of not buying a single thread of clothes and I'm perfectly that being said the trousers I'm sitting in now have a big hole in oh. the crotch but you always get holes in the crotches of your pants man I do man those gyrating thighs <laughs> as I cycle <laughs> in my jeans but no um, what would be your kind of positives that you've pulled from this? I'm gonna now that we have the benefit of time remember when it started in April. Was it around March? When was our lockdown? March, late March. It started on the sixteenth of March, wasn't it? Remember, it was just before St. Patrick's yeah. Day. I really, I have to say, the first the first lockdown I needed, weirdly, mm. man. During, I found it was the most like, I don't think, I think humans should be afforded the right if they need a big break like that to be able to take a step back, and that's something I noticed. If obviously the context of it being a global pandemic isn't good, and I'm no. not happy with that, but I think. I'd say anyone listening, unless if of course you're in awful family situations or whatever, it was a real nice breather for me. I liked getting oh, away from it all. Man, I feel like I was getting burnt out on life and it's, it's weird to say it, but I think it was perfectly timed for me mm-hmm. to have those few weeks or months to just decompress completely, live a completely different life. Therefore, I did it now break my two heels so I wasn't <laughs> able to go to work because I would have been at work if only everyone broke their two heels maybe it wouldn't have spread everyone always asked me how was it how were those few weeks and months at home I was like to be honest it was like one of the best holidays I've ever had in it my was life exactly the same as what <laughs> you were probably doing <laughs> no man it's crazy and it kind of reminded me of what my parents and my grandparents told me about what life sounded like in the country yeah. in that you had you meet one or two the same people on a Tuesday that you know like Bridie from down the lone road I'd meet but then otherwise you were just hanging around you and your whoever you lived with two people for me I just lived with two people during the whole yeah and it was just a nice switch of pace now obviously going a little bit stir crazy but Mm. I do there was it had a nice snowed in vibe at the start I have to say to move on to negatives the hardest for me I hated the break between the lock 
the two lockdowns. I I I didn't know how to act. Really? In, yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? I I felt a real. It was a. Uh, you would almost feel guilty if you were enjoying too much of what life was before the lockdown or pre-pandemic. You're like, should I, should I not be doing this? Am I allowed to do this? Why am I allowed to do this it now? But I wasn't the function, to do this. however, of how I normally have fun. Mm. Uh, it was odd that like you were in a catch twenty-two where you're told go support local business, stay home, go support local. Yeah. You're like, how do I do both? Um, I think what you said before we started was that it killed spontaneity. I think that is very true that there was no let's all meet up and do this spontaneous thing or oh my god we all happen to be in the same club at the same time or we all happen to be in the same place at the same time it just didn't happen that doesn't happen anymore even coming up thinking about us about to chat about this I was pondering how it used to feel I remember on nights out especially as young country boys up to Mm. Dublin that when you went to Dublin it wasn't that you had created the fun it was like you were going into the epicentre of where fun was yeah. and you got fun yeah, from yeah, the source yeah. you, you went to the mines of fun and, and you, you had fun in, and you had it and then you left and you're like man I love all the fun but now it feels like you have to cr- it's alright to create your own fun it was probably what we were doing anyway but it's so much more organised now it's a different type of fun it's not that wild spontaneous there's so many factors going on here so many different people's energies at play here it's not like that anymore it's a bit more muted is what I would say and it's hard I can see as in even for all of our criticisms I do feel bad for the individuals who have to plan for how we're intended to have fun if you get me of like because what I love is, is the shoulder to shoulder in the pub I never thought I'd miss it that much but like walking you know getting your pint sitting down everyone on top of each other entering an atmosphere man gigs where people were squeezed against the walls and ah should be grand you know what I mean you'd see the occupancy number on the wall and you go wouldn't care more than 90 there I don't know if that'll ever be the same man after this I don't don't like thinking about that because I liked what we had I loved what we had I'm still hopeful that that will all come back I think with this second lockdown, I think I kind of share the same thing as everyone else of like, you're fed up with it, but you're not living in fear of COVID. You're more just frustrated by how it's affected your daily life. And I mm. think what's also funny is this phenomenon of days and months kind of blend together and the passage of time seems both really fast and also really slow at the same time. It's crazy. It's really weird. There's like an odd dichotomy there of you feel like the year has just disappeared because essentially nothing has happened. There has been no landmark moments of these immense memories being created. It feels like I haven't been 22, really. As in, you know. Yeah, I can't believe I'm 25, man. <laughs> I don't feel like I just aged this year. I feel like everyone should get it together and say, no, nah, that didn't count. Yeah, we should, we should mine this year from our lives and just It's hard it to again. know which way. That's something. Is it hard to know to take this year for what it was and we were all there and we should remember it or kind of like... I want a half of my want is just to forget about it as quickly as possible but I'm usually not that person I usually want to just take I it think, for what it was I the think good. there are ultimately positives we can pull from this there's a lot of things we can see that aren't needed to live a happy life I mm. think it has made people realise that you can do a lot of things without all the superfluous you know yeah. what would you call it industry that's built up around exercise is built up around eating it's built up around drinking it's built up around having fun it's built up around entertainment you don't need all of it we don't need all of it do you know what I I do miss that I didn't Mm. you know you take for granted meeting new people oh I can't I don't know if I've made have I made a new friend this year exactly not a weird thing to say it's crazy that me and you were chatting about it I won't say we were at a party Aaron before 
COVID kicked off. Oh, I'm like, these was, are such nice people. It was Jesus. Thing. And then literally <laughs> two weeks later, everyone was moving back to their home countries and counties. And they're like, well, there it was, was just actually, a bit awkward. There to was actually anyone. two big parties in a row there that were incredible. And I felt like, wow, these are like... Guilt-free, you know? These are like parties you see in movies where everything is just rosy there's a filter on everything that everyone just that's what i thought 2020 was going to be man the summer i thought summer for me i was like i'm really gonna try and make every festival i'm really gonna oh <laughs> don't even talk about that <laughs> but what can you do i think one thing i've realized it's i'm normally i would consider myself quite a solo kind of ish person mm. or like i how would i put this me and you're gonna have very interesting I'd say we've both learned the yin and the yang. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I lot, I took this kind of COVID and this time of spending a lot of time on my own to read up on changing your own behaviours to benefit yourself, kind of auditing your emotions and feelings, tri- triaging your emotions and feelings, trying to figure out why you act the way you act, why you feel the way you feel, and trying to grab some bit of control over that and not let that kind of... Hmm. let it spiral off and run your life. I think yeah. this is what I've done the most this year, is this sort of self-reflection, I guess, and self-auditing. As a as a lone boy, as you said, mm. did this year really let you relish in that, or did you realise, oh, I do need the, the, uh, the, I, the social element? I have this here, I've written that I would consider myself to be an extroverted introvert. Yeah. I absolutely love, I revel in the face-to-face interactions. I can feel so recharged by them. But then to a degree, I love coming home and be like, God, I have nothing but two or three days on my own now where all I'm going to do is I'm going to read, I'm going to exercise on my own, I'm going to just live in my own little world. And I love that. But I have found that too much of that time alone without the social interactions, your mind can run off and you yeah. don't get that reaffirmation from people that yeah. everything is okay and you're fine and people other love lives. you and you are loved and other lives are going on and the world is going on. But... You can kind of get taken away by bad thoughts at times. Yeah, you can swim in the pool of your own mm. self-interest. And I found um, the opposite in a good way of, of you know, I'd similarly say I'm either, I'm an extroverted introvert or something of that ilk in that I love, I don't know what I would have done without people during this quarantine and without mm. housemates, but I really do love being able to escape to your own, the sanctity of your own mind oh. and, and your own room and, and, and uh, it's one of my daily pleasures, man. I absolutely love it. And I really do. It's not. To, it's just a reality. It's not a dark. It, it's a dark topic, but it just needs to be said. I did feel for people who might be in home situations that they don't enjoy teens no. or or you know married you know couples yeah. or anything. To people like that, what I would say is pimp out your bedroom. Yeah. And there are a few things I did. I put some really nice tapestries and rugs on the wall to create this cave element in my room. I have. Nice candles and uh, mood lighting, salt candles. Mm. Or what is it? What are they called? Salt lights? Salt, salt lamps. lamps. Yeah. So there's just a nice, warm, welcoming glow in my room where I can do my stretches and yoga, do my reading, where I feel like it's it's an oasis. And adv- advice is a good idea, man. I didn't even... Instead of us, just read more. That's the thing. I started reading again since college. Um, oh, I love more, it, guys. man. Um, another, I, I, swimming. I feel like reading is a form of meditation wherein if we think meditation is not the stopping of thought but it's this idea of your thought is so singled in on something simple as your breathing that the meditation is the fact that you're thinking of the breathing and nothing else i think reading is the the easiest thing to do to create that effect of my mind is completely absorbed by this one thing 
and that mm. in itself is therapeutic i guess john you know i'm excited for as well after covid i'm excited to see all the bits that you guys and everyone in the world has been doing oh, with their yeah. time during covid because they say that during periods like this like covid not genius is born but genius is given the soil that it needed the time and the there's seed for going it to, to be grow. art from this art absolutely. maybe even we don't know if there's some scientist sitting somewhere that said oh let me hash this out think this out yeah probably all of the scientific effort was on the covid element but even not necessarily i really hope that's one thing that we have a rule book established for when something like this happens again um because we can't keep getting set back i think there will be a lot of psychological studies done on the effects of pandemics lockdowns on people that will Mm. have had studies done during this and the fruits of that will kind of come through post this people will be able to publish those and describe the effects and how to lessen the effect of a pandemic on individual selves and if you yourself have been feeling i think we all get into it of like feeling down on yourself and saying oh this year has been a waste i've done nothing mm. i thought i'd use all this remember that i think it's just even though you've probably seen the posts a hundred times i think i need to be reminded it every day everyone is experiencing it and that's not me saying so don't feel sorry for yourself. I mean, so cut yourself some slack. COVID is is the is very like climate anxiety in that it's something you have no control over how it affects you, unfortunately. No. Um. So you just got to take a breather, I think, and can realize, don't worry, no one else is. Even if you see people in videos fucking going crazy on nights out and stuff, mo- for the most part, to be honest, those people aren't doing that all the time, and they're having as boring of a life as you yeah, <laughs> during this I COVID. I think that is the biggest one of the biggest takeaways is in this age of information and being able to see hundreds and thousands of other people's lives at all times it makes you feel like wow here i am lying on my bed looking at this this is what everyone else is doing right now and here i am on my bed not doing any of that Mm. it that is i think one of our greatest curses of these days is seeing we're seeing too much that we want to be experiencing but right now can't and beat ourselves up because of that and we shouldn't there's a reason they didn't have the word FOMA, FOMO, FOMA, FOMO during <laughs> cholera. No. No one had FOMO. FOMO f- seems to be a thing that's only existed because you can see what other people are doing. Isn't it funny? It's July though, man. I know this is getting into a social, but like I often take a step back and look at my profile or my stories. And I'm like, from the outside viewer, they might think, that's Aaron's what I try to think. Life is so exciting. Or Aaron's life is so ex-. And then you realize, we're doing that with other fucking... It's yeah. only... I have... In a month, when you look back, that's what I will say as well. If you think this year has been a waste, you'll look back, whether it's for better or for worse, I bet things have happened to you during this, This, you know, there's been there's been COVID relationships, there's been COVID breakups for better or for worse, there's been COVID friendships, COVID reconciliations. Um, I think there will be real history made during this, so don't worry about this being a, you know, maybe a blank year is what we needed. I think it's not a blank year, really. There was a lot of inner... Inner working that went on. Inner working, and it's the perfect time to do it because I can promise you when the world has opened back up, who knows, it may be months, it may be years, it'll happen, I know it will. You will think, Jesus, I kind of wish we could stop all this, there's so much happening. (laughs) And you may not always say, God, I wish COVID was back and the lockdown was there, but you will wish for this more simple time where there is less happening so you feel like you're missing out on less. I have to say, man, that first... That lockdown. First lockdown or lockdowns feel like when there's a snowstorm. Very easy. You just have to stay in your house guilt-free. But then, well, the worst time after a snowstorm is when the slush comes. School is back. 
while they're the still technically still awful. There. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that takes some getting used to. I just can't wait till there's less of a fear of it being yeah. around us in close proximity and we're able to see more than 10 of our friends in a, in a week. And that'll happen very soon, I think, between vaccines and how well we've been doing. I think we're months away. Months? I think That's we could good. be. I think within one year, I think life will be 90% back to normal. Apparently, Mr. Radker said that electric picnic will go ahead. That man is crazy. You think it's a lot? I think it's a, a promise. Did he say that? I feel like a lot of... This is going to be... I feel like a lot of promises are made just to keep people happy Absolutely. in the moment that... um, Because he doesn't want rioting on the streets. I wish... I think... Do you, Are you of the opinion, man, if people were more straight up and when I mean, pe- mean people, I mean the government, and just said, look... Remember at the time, at the start of COVID, we were like, maybe... Like, at the start of COVID, Six we were saying this were done. EP would still go ahead. Oh, thought, Lord. Um, I think, is it bad to be a bit doomsday and say to people, look, I don't know, this is probably going to go on to two years. It's people weird. don't want to hear that. People though. don't want to hear that, and it, that's a weird psychological thing where even though a lot of people know that's the truth, I like the excitement I have seen in people about this easing of lockdown in the past week and for the month of December, people are ecstatic by it. And in yeah. my mind, all I think about then is, yeah, but what about January? And what about the fact that it's still out there the same way it was a few months ago, the same way it was at the very start? Not none of that has changed. It's That's what still, I yeah. see. So I just can't get as excited as, as other much people as I want to it. enjoy it. Yeah, man. Yeah. If it's going to be a thing that will throw us back into another one, and people will say lockdowns don't work then, but it's not that lockdowns don't work. It's that when the lockdowns stop, we go. Yeah. Ham. We we don't go to stage from stage five to stage three. We go from. Stage five to no stage, for yeah. Some and I understand why, because I'm excited too. But we gotta be steadfast. I think, we yeah. Gotta be resolute in our in our behaviors. This will only make us stronger. Realistically, we'll come out the other side. However many months or years it'll be, we'll look back at it and be like, Jesus, I did that. Do you know what I like to consider it instead of quarantining, instead of like as if we're in a triage or something or in a little room? Mm. I like to imagine it as like. How ninjas go up to the mountains, dojos. You know what I mean. And when we oh, come back from co- from COVID, we're I gonna prefer be, that. We're gonna be better in at least in in mind. I find it has been bad for. I pick reasons to cycle, even if I'm going nowhere, just because I'm like God. I oh better. man, I take the longest route I can take. They <laughs> walk to places. I'm like, fuck it. Because I really rely on life to exercise me. As in, I really relied on. Oh, I won't take public transport. I'll just cycle everywhere. Mm. But now that you know, you shouldn't be. Um, yeah. So it'll be nice to just. People to go places again. But yeah. I think we've chatted enough probably there about we go, COVID. Um, all I can say is guys, enjoy stage three. Yeah, Probably have when fun. this is out, it's out. But Enjoy your Christmases. Be safe, yeah. but enjoy it all the same. Have fun. Don't take the piss. Just have fun, man. Just have fun. Enjoy it. Again, thanks to Gareth Quinn Redmond for the gorgeous music. Probably, actually, man, in my Spotify 2020, he was in my top artists, and I listened to his music, I think it was an entirety of two whole days worth of listening to his music this year. That's mad. Uh, Lon Rue is my favourite song of his, said by Spotify, and I would attest to that. I love that song. I think that's my favourite of his. I thought I had listened to all his songs until we met this, and I have to say, that little fluty bit we use sometimes. At the end of Anum. Oh Oh, my lord, man. Beautiful. That is incredible. Um, and thanks to Ashling Larkin for the graphic work. Um, That's at Ashling Larkin on Instagram. She can now do graphic design bits for you. Oh yeah, if you want to get something made up, she's Look, there. Look, the amount of people that have approached me and said, 
Wow, man, your logo is class, man. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. She's and great. As always, thanks to the Irish Folklore Collection and Dukas for the stories from our ancestors that we so love to cherish and laugh at. And mm-hmm. It's just great fun. It's a fun time. Um, enjoy yourselves, guys, and enjoy stage three. Goodbye. Bye. I'm Bungulus Stoker! <laughs> <laughs>